Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for May 23rd, 2021, the day of Pentecost uh, in year B. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing fine. Fantastic. Fine is good. Fine is fine. Uh, And we are coming to you, we we find folks are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, so, yeah, I I think we discussed it last week. the day of Pentecost uh, is part of the uh, Easter season. Uh, had a uh, wasn't even a debate, but more of a quick conversation about whether or not it could be its own standalone day, or uh, whether it belongs here in the the season of Easter. And I think we both kind of agreed that it made sense to be the season of Easter. So this is the end of the season of Easter. Um, it is the culmination. The culmination. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, because um, it's a biggie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, maybe. Let's. We haven't read yet, so maybe, I, I don't know. Oh yeah, I'm giving it away. Aren't yeah, I? don't don't give away don't give away the farm. Jeez. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, uh, this is uh, this is the end of the culmination of a season here, and then of course uh, we get into um, my least favoritely named uh, season of the yeah, year, you which object is to it every time. I do the season after Pentecost. After. Uh, yes. Which basically sounds like the season where things happen, but not in any significant order or recognition. And it's just, this is our potpourri season, our hodgepodge <laughs> season. Doesn't it smell it is, nice? It really is. So much more. <laughs> All these scents and smells. It smells pleasant, but I can't pick out any individual one. Um there's my rant for the day. I'm sure I'll hit another one before we get done. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so um, we got uh, um, lots of things still going on with the church. We've got that book uh, um, um, group that is going strong. I know that our uh, confirmands have had their last class. So the next yeah. uh, thing, I don't think it's like any in any week. Uh, uh, here in the in the very very near future, but the, we'll I believe a, it's in June. I don't have it off the top. I was going to say, I think it's I think it's a couple the, s- several the weeks. Confirmation out. service with the bishop will take place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to that. Um, but uh, otherwise, I mean, in, in a way, we're kind of it, it seems strange because we're in the position where um, societally we're kind of coming out of hibernation, but. Uh, seasonally, we're going into kind of a, a hibernation with you know summer going on and and kids getting out of school. Very schizophrenic. Yeah, it's very it's very odd. Um, uh, an odd sensation of of, of of peeking our head out of the ground and all the kids you know getting off of school and, <laughs> and people traveling maybe for the for the summer to yeah. visit family they haven't seen in a year uh you know that kind of thing so um it's we i I believe we are we no longer this this last week was uh uh, graduation sunday which also means are we done with uh youth group classes like that kind of not done with youth group okay and i believe there's one more um christian formation time for younger kids okay um but yeah we're i mean we're getting to it so, yeah, go ahead. yeah, I mean, things are wrapping up, but the big thing this Sunday, 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 Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean Saturday. <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, 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 <laughs> is that at 5 p.m. we're going to do, uh, Saturday at 5 p.m. we're doing an outdoor service at mm-hmm. our outdoor chapel, so you can park in your same parking space or um, near to it, and we'll have probably about a half hour, 40 minute service. I'm aware it's outside, so it won't be as long as when we're inside. Mm-hmm. And then after that, a social time of people bringing their own food and enjoying uh, their dinners and being able to socialize a bit. Yeah. And under both the CDC and Bishop guidelines, and under those circumstances, those two authorities agree that we can be without masks. 
Right, right, right. And when you say, uh, uh, just just to quick clarify, uh, this is not a potluck, uh, you bring your no. own food, consume your own food kind of a deal. So that's just a, just in case anyone listening was a, a little right. unclear on Yeah, on bring that. your own beverages, your <laughs> own food, your own placemats, your own crystal, whatever it is that goes into your picnic <laughs> basket. <laughs> The crystal, yeah, I gotta, I gotta dust that off uh, and put it in my picnic basket, uh, basket, and take it with me. Um, yeah, that's the only time we use ours. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Sunday, 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 there'll yes. be no eight o'clock service and only a ten o'clock service, both in mm-hmm. person inside the church and live streamed. Right, right. So yeah. Um, um, the Saturday service will not be broadcast, uh, um, right? For for any number of reasons, but uh, but one of one of them mainly being it's a long ways away from the internet. Uh, at yeah, the, <laughs> actually, at the I think that's probably the only reason. Well, I mean, it's I mean just a technical running power issue. out there, and then capturing well, yeah, sound I mean, properly. And I'm not going to be I mean, in town, but. <laughs> I mean, the only reason are technical reasons. It's mm-hmm. not that we, it's anything that we're trying oh, to hold sure, back sure, sure, from sure. the internet. All technology uh, reasons. So uh, yeah. if you want to donate to the church so that we can get a power hub out there uh, <laughs> with with That'd its own internet service. Uh, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, but it is a lovely time. And if, if you've never had the opportunity to enjoy a chapel uh, service, an outdoor chapel service at, uh, on our property, it really is a lot of uh, a lot of fun. It's it's fun to to, to mix it mm-hmm. up. It's it's a it's a very nice experience there uh, by um, what used to be the rail line and now is the trail. So that's also yeah. kind of exciting because uh, it's gotten cleaned up quite a bit and um, and uh, just a just just a just a different um, experience. I think uh, mm-hmm. not uh, uh, that 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 works in conjunction with the other experiences. So, yeah. Um, and one, one thing I'll add is also, I recommend bringing your own camp chair, lawn chair, however you describe it or blanket to sit on because the benches are not in the greatest of shape. And I'm personally, am more comfortable sitting in my comfy camp mm-hmm. chair than on one of the wooden benches and dodging splinters. Well, even if even uh, the, the the benches being in uh, any shape, uh, it, it would be point. It would be worth pointing out they don't have backs on them. Um, oh yeah, so yeah, that's the big thing. If you're uh, uh, one who would prefer your back to be supported, the bench will not be for you. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. so um, which uh, which has been you know has been the case for a while. So. Well, yeah, since they were built. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that oh, unless you're a, just talking about yourself. <laughs> and that's been a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've long, long have I, uh, uh, have I uh, uh, strayed from the days where I can unsupport my back. <laughs> it needs, needs some support. I'm getting older, Bruce. I don't get younger. That's not how it works. Um, <laughs> I'm older than you are, Shunny. <laughs> Uh, well, since you're older than me, let me ask you today about our person of the day. Maybe. Uh-huh. No, you didn't know them. Uh, 1786 <laughs> to 1851. Yeah, I got, I got that dig in there. Ha ha ha. Um. <laughs> seven, Which I missed because I'm so old. <laughs> 1786 to 1851 is this person's lifespan. Uh, Samuel Farmer Jarvis. Farmer, F-A-R-M-A-R, not farmer, um, but Samuel Farmer Jarvis. Okay, I'm going to ask for another clue. Yes. Um, Are they from England? No. Oh. Are they from North America? Yes. Yeah, I figured. Um, That's two of your ten. Go ahead. Okay, how to make the most boring podcast ever. <laughs> Ten questions about a historic figure that no one knows. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, were they ordained? Uh, yes. Okay. It was the first bishop or professor or missionary of someplace. 
No. That's uh, my final answer. The, the answer to that is no. Um, okay, who was it? Uh, he is the first histi- historiographer of the Episcopal Church. Um, oh, good golly. Right? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, part, part of the one of the interesting things uh, here, uh, just showing that uh, um, professions do sometimes get handed down. He was the son of Bishop Bishop Abraham Jarvis of Connecticut. Um, graduated from Yale in 1805, ordained in 1810 as deacon, 1811 as priest. Served St. Michael's Bloomingdale in New York from 1813 to 1819. He was rector. Uh, 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 then he was rector of St. James. He became the first professor of biblical learning at the newly established General Theological Seminary. So he was a professor. I missed it. Sorry. It oh, wasn't that no I... wonder I couldn't guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't lying to you. I just missed it. Uh, okay. Uh, because then he left uh, it, that position in 1820, so less a year or less, uh, over okay. a disagreement with Bishop John Henry Hobart. Hopefully there's a book about that. That would be interesting. Um, he was also on the faculty there. Okay, okay. Uh, so then served six years at St. Paul's Church in Boston. Then nine years he traveled in Europe visiting its most important libraries uh, then to when he returned to the United States in 1835 and two years uh, was professor professor of Oriental literature at Washington, now Trinity College. Then served as rector at Christchurch Middletown, um, but on uh, September 16th, 1838, the General Convention named him historiographer of the Episcopal Church with the directive to prepare and I quote. From the most original sources now extant, a faithful ecclesiastical history reaching from the Apostles' times to the formation of the Protestant Episcopal Church in the United States. Holy cow! Right? That's a large order. (laughs) Only one volume, The Church of the Redeemed, was published in 1850, and then he died. Of exhaustion. Of exhaustion. (laughs) From from his directive alone. but, uh, but, but yeah, um, uh, so you, w- w- the reason I picked uh, uh, Samuel Farmer Jarvis was uh, simply because I know that you do enjoy history. Uh, yeah. So from the perspective of the history of the Episcopal Church, um, I, I thought it would be important to identify the person who was originally tasked with bringing some of that information to light. Um, at least under uh, the directive of, uh, of, from the Episcopal point of view, Episcopal Church and, point of view. And what year was he appointed? As which? As a as, as a historian. Eighteen thirty-eight. So what's fascinating to me is that was roughly eighty years. Eh, no, less than that. Sixty years after the formation of the Episcopal Church. So I wonder if they were if the Episcopal Church was beginning to experience what the Christian or first Christians did of, Hey, everyone who knows what happened is dying off and mm. we have all these different stories. We better get this straightened out. Right. Yeah. No. And that's a, that's an interesting uh, yeah perspective. And, and yeah, as you pointed out, what a tall order. I mean, it, yeah. there's, there's a lot of words in, in that, directive uh by the way but the the i think the main thing to point out is they tasked him with obtaining a faithful history from the apostles time to that eight, that that 1700s uh date of the formation of the episcopal church so not a small gap uh and um to, to attempt to get it from original sources um, as well as part of that directive. Like, holy mm-hmm. cow, no wonder uh, there was only one volume that he was able to get to <laughs> in 12 years uh, that he was able to produce. Because what a mind-blowing task. Yeah. Of like, okay, where do I, I mean... I can start any number of places, uh, you know, start from now and work our way backwards, start from then and work our way forwards. But in no world uh, 
would there be enough time in his lifespan to get to it all? Um, and that proves uh, proved to have been true. I mean, he was only able to uh, do one volume. And I, no disrespect towards, Say I'll presume, no. yeah, I was going to say Dr. Jarvis. I'll presume sure, he had sure, sure, sure. a higher degree for, to be a seminary teacher. Um, but why is he a saint? <laughs> I didn't say he was a saint. That's true. That's true. Why is it? Well, I, yeah, I guess if he's just in a general dictionary for the Episcopal Church, <laughs> he should be written down somewhere. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it would, it would be a shame. Not exactly, Mother Teresa. Or <laughs> well, no, Peter. but you know what? If if you set that bar, uh, the dictionary is like three people long. Yeah. So I mean, come on. <laughs> um. Uh. But but it would be, it would seem uh, odd to create a glossary of important individuals and then not include your church's first True. historiographer. I mean, uh, the, a lot of these stories were potentially cultivated by this man. That's true. That's very true. So, um, and it's, and to me, it's interesting. I, th again, well, I think it's interesting that the time period he was assigned mm -hmm. that I disregarded with my first comments about it, that, up to the formation of the Episcopal Church was his task, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. And so, rather than trying to to record the memories of people who were there when it was formed, this might have been more a justification for its existence. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That did around issues like apostolic succession and things like that of mm -hmm. how do you justify that are you a true church well we can trace our heritage back to the time of the apostles is the one is the best answer out there and so yeah. that was the task which yeah. is no small thing to do no no so the yeah because i mean obviously the apostles times are right around year one so, <laughs> uh, depending Somewhere on how you define between one and forty, yeah, <laughs> right. And depending on how you define that, uh, even yeah. even um, uh, that uh, period of time uh, prior to, um, which I, I'm not a historiographer, and I'm trying to remember how many because because there's there's obviously a we're in AD, and then there's a, a ton of time uh, BC, but isn't there like a three year period in between? So technically, uh, the, yeah. No? Is no. that a fabrication of my mind? Okay. Um, it, so it, it's possible at some point in coursework you took, the professor may have said something along the lines of, we don't know within three years when Jesus was actually born. So that gotcha. might have helped. But actually, we don't know probably, in, it's probably a longer time span than just three years. But wherever gotcha. you wherever you put it, everything, it, it it is there is no time without time, and so it's um, everything before or after. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so that that that's a that that's a tall order. That's that's a yeah. Eight, that's that's a good seventeen hundred years. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah. With. You know, original documents being in all sorts of different languages, and and like you said, where do you start, and what is important? It's the old editorial question: what should be included, and what should be set aside? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. Uh, and uh, um, that's a that's a tall order. So good on you, mm -hmm. uh, Samuel Jarvis, for. I don't know if Thank you, you asked for your service. Yeah, I don't know if you even asked for this task, or did you just go to general convention and then uh, set up straight your chief? How old was he when he was assigned this task? So, born in eighty six. This was thirty eight. So, what is that? Fifty uh, two. Okay. So his, his dad probably put him up to it. <laughs> yeah, that's been in the House of Bishops voting. <laughs> I'm just imagining, yeah, exactly, exactly, right? So I, I'm imagining he's sitting in uh, maybe a bench or a pew and suddenly sits up and goes, say what now? Who got <laughs> Dad! Who got assigned what now? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Didn't ask me. <laughs> no, I, I, I imagine uh, this might have been something that he uh, pushed for considering his nine years of traveling through Europe and visiting libraries. He, he clearly developed a, an interest uh, or at least an implied interest in some in the subject matter. So um, well, let's hope that's what it was. <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> Funnier my way. But let's hope uh, that that was the case. Either way, uh, thank you so much uh, for, for for doing that because you give you probably have given uh, me plenty of content over the past year for this past year of uh, people to talk about. So hey, thanks. Yep. Uh, well, then let's move over to our uh, readings for the week. Um, there's a there, there's some uh, options here. One of which is uh, going to be mandatory, which is our reading from Acts. But we're going to go with our first reading for Ezekiel, uh, chapter thirty-seven, verse one through four. And when I say we, I say this was Bruce's decision. Don't blame me. Um, <laughs> it's throw me under how, the bus. <laughs> it's the Bible. How could you go wrong? Um, Actually, it's a great story. The Valley of Dry Bones. <laughs> Yes, so, don't give it away, I haven't read it yet. Um, uh, uh, So the beginning part of the chapter here, right at the top of chapter 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves, and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. So this story, um, uh, we read, uh, which is it? I can never remember if this is the the uh, Christmas vigil or the Easter vigil, Easter vigil, Easter vigil that we do kind of like the history of uh, some of the important things of of the history of, of, uh, of of the Jewish nation. So this is, but this is one of those stories that uh, that we do read and it always, it it seems like the kind of story that you would get out of like Lord of the Rings uh, of like the, of the uh, the skeleton army that uh, uh, Aragorn brings out of the mountain, or something like that. Um, what is the context of this story? Because it it, it does not seem um, historical in nature. Like I, 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 this doesn't. This would be a really big deal throughout all the remaining books of that were ever written. If all the bones of the house of house of Israel suddenly came to life and came back. Is this like a dream? Is this a, is this a, is this a, uh, a, a some sort of uh, image that uh, is given to a prophet or like what's, what's going on here? Well, that was that, interestingly that, that question you asked, it was the, is considered to be the foundational question about this passage by both rabbis and Christian scholars. And, 
the consensus is that it's a vision. Okay. And that mm-hmm. it's not a, this happened on January 25th type of event. Mm-hmm. And originally it was interpreted by uh, the rabbis as a, a pretty straightforward God is going to restore Israel, the, mm. the nation. Mm-hmm. But it, by the time of Jesus, so still in the pre-Christian era, it had expanded its meaning to include that this is God telling the Jewish people that there is such a thing as resurrection, of divine resurrection, and an afterlife. Okay. So if, unfortunately among at least American Christians, I don't know about Christians internationally, but among, among American Christians, there's often a mistaken divide between Christians and Jews of saying, oh, Jews don't believe in heaven, or Jews don't believe in an afterlife. And in fact, they do. There are exceptions of individuals, but vast majority, Mm -hmm. yeah, because human beings. But Mm -hmm. because of passages like this, the vast majority of Jews for thousands of years have believed in in an afterlife. Okay. Um, So, go ahead. And so the, the big, yeah, and the big thing here uh, for Pentecost is this um, breath imagery Mm -hmm. because in Hebrew the word for breath and the word for spirit what we would call the Holy Spirit is the same exact word so for early Christians and contemporary Christians for that matter part of the meaning of this story now has another layer of of foreshadowing of the gift of the Holy Spirit to the first Christians on the day of Pentecost um, after Jesus for the first day of Pentecost after Jesus's resurrection okay yeah 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 the the, the so if this is a vision then the valley of dry bones um, would this have been like I, I kind of imagine that there uh, might have been uh, kind of a reference. Was this like a reference to their burial practice at the time? Was there like no. a, was there a valley of like that you nope. went to when you died? Or okay, I was just kind of curious if there was like a tie. No, that, that's to... an excellent question. Uh, the, the burial practices were very carefully done. Um, okay. Respect for uh, a dead body was huge. Um, mm-hmm. And that, so that's part of the remarkable nature of this vision is that the bones are just laying there. And so early rabbis, um, and that, and this imagery has come forward into Christianity, presume that this was some kind of battlefield or, well, most have said battlefield, but I would add, or some kind of what we now sadly call mass casualty event. Right. Right. Where so many people had died that there, there weren't even enough people left to bury them. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, which is a wonderful spiritual metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and, and more to, to your point about the, the, the breath, that, that is something that struck me at least uh, this time around. I don't know if I, if it struck me um, the, the other times that I've, that I've heard it read, which is many, but it, it is interesting to note that all of what God says to him to i'm assuming this is ezekiel speaking in the first person right um so mm-hmm. uh, all of what god said to ezekiel ended up happening but like there's like a brief pause in the story where it's like fully formed human beings with no life in them um right and that it's not until the breath uh, uh came into them that the what God said would happen uh, uh, fully came true. Um, so um, talk about uh, though some some very um, <laughs> haunting imagery. Uh, yeah, I don't know, worthy of maybe HBO's Westworld or something. Just like this, 
like complete vast uh, valley of lifeless human beings uh, knit together and standing, but not moving. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, so many, yeah. please movies don't give me this literature vision. have been inspired by this vision. <laughs> yeah. Lord, I, please, please dare I not go the same route. I don't, don't give me this vision at night. I won't be able to sleep for a year. Um, <laughs> no zombie dreams, please. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But yeah, it's a, that, that's very interesting that the, 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 the breath comes from the four winds. Like, so I wanted to ask about that though. Like it, it was interesting. That also sounded very, I don't know, Tolkien-esque, uh, come from the four winds. Oh, breath. Um, uh, kind of an in, in, indication mm-hmm. of like coming from every direction, implying yep. that God is everywhere. Is that the yeah, and okay. that every and that God is in control of every power mm. in yeah. everywhere. That there is no to to go back to the Lord of the Rings thing. There is no primary mountain from which the breath has to come. Mm. Instead, mm-hmm. it it literally comes from everywhere. And again, the, the this word breath could be translated and probably should be, I think, as spirit. Mm. That the mm. that the spirit of God, which is everywhere, flow from everywhere into these people and give them true life. Very interesting. Um, anything more uh, about Ezekiel before we go uh, from from the story? Oh, as I've said so many times, this is a great passage to sit with. And yeah. spend time because the the layers of meeting just bloom out of it. It will sit with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, and remember, it's supposed to be a good news thing. Sure, sure, it's sure. Not supposed yeah, to be is... a freak out thing. <laughs> right, 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 right. But often the two are very closely connected. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, very a, a supernatural uh, uh, vision uh, is can be both you know um uh, good news worthy and also terrifying at the same well, yeah. time as happened so many times in the scriptures even with jesus he says do not be afraid and then starts right. to talk yeah 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 that's that's absolutely true um well let's go uh to acts or, or acts reading acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 21 and here is um our Pentecost story. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last day it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I shall show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Um, I'll skip my standard joke of uh, wine giving uh, people <laughs> sudden abilities that wine has never been attributed to. It's not a performance-enhancing drug of any sort where ah. you can suddenly speak uh, new languages. But there was a not uncommon belief that by drinking enough alcohol, you would free yourself to be open to the gods, you know, little g, and mm-hmm. therefore might say prophes- prophecies and things like that. So Interesting. It, so they're not just being accused of being drunk. They, they're, in a sense, being accused of being drunk like a Roman rather than drunk like a Jew. Interesting. Now that yeah. I did not know. Yeah. Still the the defense for it's only nine o'clock in the morning is still funny to me. But yeah. um <laughs> It's only nine. We're like I'll, I'll start <laughs> Hey, I, mimosa time. <laughs> on Saturdays I might start drinking at eight. <laughs> I don't know. Um but uh but that is interesting that uh essentially there's it's not as you pointed out not only an an accusation that they might be drunk but that they're roman drunk um yeah that i had not heard that before uh either way that's dumb um <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh, uh i i like the idea that uh your inhibitions are lowered enough to uh, be open to things, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, because I suppose that part is true. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, the, the opening you to uh, the gods to give you the ability of foreign language is, uh, um, let's just say, not based in any science. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, and not a recommended spiritual practice today. Right. 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 <laughs> So, uh, especially paired with the Ezekiel reading, though, I do want to mm-hmm. I, I want to focus kind of more on the the beginning and ending of this reading. Yeah. Then, um, understandably, the so like the divided tongues as of fire, uh, um, and and resting on each of them. This is very different imagery than if one's to interpret the tongues of fire as the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, it's very different imagery than. Um, say when Jesus is baptized and the spirit comes down like a dove. Um, this is, this is new. This is different. No, no. <laughs> Think of Moses and the burning bush. It didn't land on him though. <laughs> <laughs> but I get your point. <laughs> I yeah, get your it, point. Okay. It's, yeah. It's long been fire. I'll put it this way, supernatural fire, like the burning bush that was not consumed, mm-hmm. has long been associated with God's God's amazing moments. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I suppose there's a, 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 a as a, further in the Moses story, he's led by a pillar of fire um, uh, during half of the day. So, um Right. So that makes that that makes that makes and, some sense. And that was another event, yeah. Right. Um but the the and we've talked before about fire. The imagery of fire in this period of time is not one of wrath and destruction. It's uh, I believe you described it to me at least as uh, more of a purification. Yeah. Uh, or or a tempering imagery like whittling mm-hmm. things down to their purer form or giving um pure uh, more useful yeah yeah um so so less less about destruction right uh and more uh, more about um uh, more about usefulness and and uh, uh interesting that the translation uses the word dividing because that's kind of essentially the the concept of fires that it kind of divides um the thing and 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 then it kind of like reduces it down that would kind of be the imagery of of uh of holy fire there um so very i think the other thing luke who the same person wrote the gospel of luke 
as mm -hmm. the book of Acts. The other thing I think Luke is going for, because he goes through, he goes for this imagery over and over in both books, is the the unity of the community. Mm -hmm. That and so even so, each person doesn't get their own full fire. Instead, each person receives a portion of the fire. Right. And the fire, it's it's really only a fire because they're all together. Otherwise, it would just be like a candle flame. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting uh, to point out because that, that is true. Otherwise, it would be uh, a very different story. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so and, and unfortunately, when it's illustrated in contemporary paintings and such that I've seen, it's often a little campfire in each person's head. Whereas older depictions, it's usually more of like a candle flame look. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking on probably the same website you are, and that little banner no, has... Oh. I'm not looking at a website. I'm looking out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the Vanderbilt website. Uh, oh, yeah, that is a handy link. The the little uh, the, the little banner at top is a stained glass window where they have full fledged campfires on their head. Yeah. Um, um, like the only thing missing are like the marshmallows. Uh, these things are huge. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, yeah Matthias has been sent off to get the marshmallows. And was never heard from again. Right. He got lost. <laughs> Got lost and never came back. Hey, yeah, um, you know, it took him about twelve hundred years to find marshmallows. Right. However long it was till marshmallows were invented. Right. Um, so um, that's the tongues of fire. Also, this the, the this language at the end, which again to modern ears or modern eyes, as you're reading, um, might seem apocalyptic. Is it? Um, showing the portents in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoke mist, smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Um, it almost seems like the book of Revelation-esque. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, but is it? Yes and no. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a cop-out answer to me, but okay, go ahead. Very Episcopalian, sir. It depends on your point of view. Uh. <laughs> um, well, it's it's mostly a quotation from the book of Joel. Um, oh, okay. Okay, it's still going to the to the book of Joel. Okay. Yeah, so it's you know, that's the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. Um, and it, this is another Luke type of thing to do of saying... When it, basically, Luke often will pair these things where whenever it's like a feel-good experience, it's like, don't sit here and enjoy it. Go out and do something with it because mm. you only have so much time. Gotcha. Um, and, and, and also there is the function of, of explaining this gift of the Holy Spirit that is not for the first time in to the christians but it has been given to the people of god over and over through the centuries already um but it it is this part of the quoting of joel is to show how generous god is with this gift which is mm -hmm. a big luke repeatedly knocks down hierarchy whenever he can and sure. this really anticipates exactly what christians end up doing of literally putting hats on leaders, i.e. bishops, that are supposed to remind us of the tongues of flame on the apostles. And here Luke is saying, no, everyone gets this gift. Mm. That even upon slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Verse 18. Um, that's the key here more than the... Um, portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and smoky mist right, um, right. that has to do with life is is hazardous and so don't sit around here being amazed that you heard of the mighty works of god in your own language instead 
do something with that experience. Share the good news. Gotcha. I gotcha. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I have another question in me on this, but I, it's not coming to my brain. Is there well, anything else you want to point out? Yeah, that two things. One, it never says that this is just on the apostles, which is historically how it's been interpreted. Mm -hmm. It just says they were all together in one place. And so the lot, uh, there is a, a rationale for saying it was just the apostles or at least an inner circle since they were all gathered in one place that had to be a limited number of people. I'll, I'll grant that. Sure. Um, right. But it could easily, it would certainly have included Mary Magdalene and the other women that are mentioned in the Gospels, particularly in Luke. Um, but also, where it, I'm trying to see what verse it is. Um, verse 5, now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And, then it, and these are the people who hear the good news or the mighty acts of God in their own languages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, again, this is often people often forget this part of the verse and think that th these were pagans. But mm. this, because within the book of Acts, the issue of whether or not the gospel should be shared with non Jews, because that issue has not been settled yet this first proclamation is still going only to faithful Jews. Hmm. Devout, devout Jews. So it Christianity is not, is not yet ready to launch internationally to absolutely everyone. But Luke right. is foreshadowing that this issue is going to come to a head within in the following pages. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it, it is interesting that you are pointing that out. So yeah, amazed and astonished, they, meaning the devout Jews from yeah. every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. Yeah, uh, are these not Galileans? And then lines later, uh, all all of them were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "What does this mean?" But some of them were were did the 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 new wine thing. But yeah, yeah. those are the two groups of people here are are you know, the apostles and party uh, and the devout Jews. There's not, uh, yeah, you know, there's the Roman guards or, <laughs> you know, yeah, there, uh, there isn't, there isn't a Roman centurion there. Like we'll be baptized chapters further along and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. All that's yeah. yet to come. Interesting. So this is another moment where we need to pause as Christians and say, our foundation is Jewish. And we are not yeah. replacing Jews. Instead, we are grafted on, to use Paul's phraseology. Yeah, uh, graft, grafted to the vine, uh, yeah. kind of kind of concept. Absolutely, um, uh, pivotal story, uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's it is important to point out um, that aspect of its origin for sure. Um, well, let's move on to our yeah. gospel reading which is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. Uh, one, two, skip a few. 16, <laughs> <laughs> chapter 16. Nice right? Uh, uh, chapter 16, 4B through 15. Uh, so you already can prepare one of the, qu the questions that I'll ask first. Um, right. But, uh, um, why skip a few? What, what did we skip and why? Um but the, uh, the lectionary reading reads this way. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But, I, but now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your own advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, 
because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, uh, Jesus is speaking, one assumes, to the disciples? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and um, the, the, he definitely, he's filling this role of like inter. I don't want to say intermediary. I suppose that implies a couple of things that's, that that I don't mean to, but he's kind of in 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 the middle here. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. Who, who's the Advocate? That's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, in John, in the Gospel of John, for and we are quite no one knows exactly why. This took place, but um, John chooses to use the term advocate rather than Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay. I mean, there, there are lots of, of good and good theories as to why, but we we really don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, what did we skip? But let me say one more thing about oh. advocate is, <laughs> is that it also means um, comforter or helper in Greek, comforter or helper. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense. So part of the interpretation why the author of John chose to use this Greek term was he felt that in a sense, the, the Holy Spirit was being dissed by not having a better word for it. Hmm. That, that we, that, and again, John's the last gospel written. He's had the, the benefit of hindsight as to how the hmm. other gospels were being received and how Christian discussions and theology was developing. And he was, the theory is that he was worried that Christians of 2021 would would not realize what a gift god gives us with god's presence that it's a helper and comforter hmm. um, and if it if it stayed a nebulous spirit even even with the modifier holy spirit then it might only be seen as a distant aspect of god instead of an intimate aspect of God. Okay, so kind of more of a of an external force uh, that uh, is um, un, un, unknown, unpredictable, uh, rather than one that is, is more intimately involved in uh, potentially an internal force. Well, I'm not... You may have reversed it. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Me it, meaning... He was he was combating this idea uh, that that there was this there was no connection to this this uh, this Holy Spirit uh, that it, is that what you were saying that he was he was trying to yeah he was combating yeah, yeah. that that it was just a, it was a it was a distant um, aspect of God experience of God that is mm -hmm. not available to Christians today. Got it. Okay, and so because of his use of a different term. It definitely has shaped Christian theology about what is the Holy Spirit's function in our lives today. Huh. Well, we look to John, comforter, helper, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which is pretty nice. To and and takes away what we skipped, which was a more judgmental part of God yeah. and persecution. It doesn't say the advocate is a judge, but instead it talks of it's a short passage about persecution and it, it because 
this is such a packed passage about the Holy Spirit. I think the lectionary creators did not want to get sidetracked by another passage about when you're persecuted, God will be with you. Got it. Got it. So focusing on the handful of points that the uh, yeah. and not muddying the waters uh, to, of the discussion. That's kind of interesting. Okay. Um, the little section there in the middle uh, talking about uh, proving uh, the world wrong about things. Uh, let's let's go through those real quick. Um, so when the Advocate comes, Holy Spirit, uh, which especially paired. In, in, for this week's reading kind of makes you th- believe like maybe this incident in acts is being referred to um sort of sort of kind of sort yeah. of or, or, in, or a part john, it's a that, part of it in john it in john that gift of the holy spirit comes to the apostles anyway on easter eve i mean i'm sorry easter evening okay so after the resurrection um, when Jesus appears to the 10 without Thomas there and Judas isn't there, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy spirit, receive the advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in, in the Luke chronology, that gift doesn't happen till the day of Pentecost, which incidentally is a historic Jewish feast day. So they still celebrate Pentecost, um, mm-hmm. just with a different meaning than Christians do. So Luke has it occurring much later, 50 days later than, or 44 or something. Um, gotcha. Than John does. So he's referring to the same type of event, but he's not referring to pe- the day of Pentecost. Gotcha. Okay. So, so similar in, sim- similar in, in uh, content and style, but, but n- not necessarily the same exact incident right gotcha um so the advocate's going to prove the world wrong about sin uh because they do not believe in me um something about that statement it needs i think needs unpacking so yeah um uh because it doesn't as you read it like it takes i think it takes a while for your brain to start working through like wait what do you mean by that what's Mm-hmm. How is the world proved wrong about their concept of sin because they didn't believe in Jesus Christ? What's the, you know, how does that, how's that logic flow? Can you walk us through a little bit of that? Yeah. Yeah. Help us. <laughs> Gladly. The, what's going on here is the, the theme throughout the gospel of John is right relationship with God. Okay. And Jesus is part of the Holy Trinity is part of God. So, yeah. So they don't. The folks don't understand sin because if they don't believe in God, because particular and John all over it, sin is not about doing the wrong thing. It's instead not loving God fully. Hmm. So if you don't believe in God, you can't love God. Okay. So it's not mm-hmm. about, oh, you broke one of the Ten Commandments. It's instead, you don't... And, and boy, this happens still within theological circles of Christianity and Judaism, where if we define sin as breaking what, you know, our, whatever our favorite set of commandments is that we don't think other people should do, we have totally lost track of sin being in a wrong relationship with God. Mm. And that that's what Jesus preaches over and over in the Gospel of John. And this this refers gotcha. back to two places earlier in the Gospel of John where Jesus talks even more about it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, what about righteousness? Uh, 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 the world's wrong about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer. Um, that one's a huh? little trickier. Since, I was gonna say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, in part because righteousness is not a great word in our culture today. You know, it, right. 
Um, has some implications. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'm just doing a quick look to see the Greek on it. Um, which is the only time I use the internet usually for when we're on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's it's just righteousness. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Greek dictionary isn't very helpful of other connotations of it. Um, gotcha. So, you know, typically righteousness is about holy living. Mm-hmm. And it occurs frequently through the New Testament. But if you can't be righteous without God, Mm. and because Jesus is going to the Father, therefore reinforcing the concept of the Trinity, Mm -hmm. um, if, if you're not in a good relationship with God, it is is impossible for you to be righteous simply by your own efforts. Okay. 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 And it'll be much harder to grasp the relationship between God and Jesus after Jesus's resurrection. You've had guys, especially in the Gospel of John's three-year public ministry, you've had this benefit for three years of hearing me preach, of seeing me do miracles, of being part of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, and you still don't get it? Uh, it's going to be even harder when you don't see me anymore. Right, 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 right. Um, and then the last one's probably the easiest one uh, to, to understand. about the, the world is wrong about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned, i.e. The, um, the, 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 the ruler who you think is in charge is not in charge. Right, uh, yeah. Um, so, so the evil forces. Is, I was going to say, who is John saying the ruler of this world is, though? Is this a direct condemnation of the roman empire is this uh the condemnation of the religious elite in the community or is it just religious forces in general or religious evil forces in general not even not even religious forces but yeah evil forces in general um i'm just checking a couple things here um yeah, in that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I better click. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Um, the the term, and this is actually more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Um, the term actually comes from. Okay, when it says ruler of the world, I think of a king or a dictator or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. actually someone who's influ- who's influential. It's not as mm. strong as ruler, I don't think. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's definitely different. So the so the evil that influences, but we still have free will. We mm-hmm. still ultimately make the decisions of how we live. Um, is no longer going to be in charge and certainly has been condemned by Jesus's words by his teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and in the Greek, it's actually the actual Greek is, um, has been judged rather than condemned. Gotcha. So Jesus's very way of living has condemned the evil that influences so much of the world. So yes, that would be the Roman Empire. It would be um, supernatural evil forces. It could be Satan. All those would be fine interpretations. Hmm. Hmm. But it's okay. it's more than just people who are shirkers or <laughs> don't mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. get it right. Um, it, it, it's a big deal. So it's not just the Jewish authorities. Gotcha. Um, people well above them. Yeah, the the, the larger forces at work. Yeah. Um, the so essentially, um, this is it's this kind of reads as a farewell speech to. Oh, to it's me. part. It is part of the farewell speech. It's another. Okay. 
portion of that farewell speech we've been reading for weeks now in the Gospel of John on Sundays that mm. is leading towards his arrest um, the, the same night that he's saying this, his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane and then um, his death the next day. So this well, is on Monday, this, Thursday. Gotcha. All of this is, is kind of to say, you know, hey, the, the world has changed <laughs> yeah. uh, directly as a result and nothing is going to be the same. Mm -hmm. um, so goodbye and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but i am not leaving you comfortless the, right 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 which yeah, which even though... in, in and of itself is a bit of a pun with the term advocate i'm not hmm. leave, leaving you comfortless because i'm sending you the comforter gotcha interesting well i think we'll have to wrap it there yeah we've um, gone pretty long today we've gone a little long and so uh uh i not going to apologize for that. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Pentecost is a big day, as I said earlier. A little bit of a, yeah, kind of a big deal. Um, so, uh, but with that, we will wrap this year podcast for May 23rd, 2021, the day of Pentecost in year B. Uh, uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you uh, in, in person, if you're comfort, uh, comfortable, if you're able, on Saturday uh, uh, at, what time is it? Five? Five five o'clock uh at the outdoor chapel uh, uh and, or online at 10 a.m sunday morning uh on uh youtube or in person uh, uh um uh, that's a in person uh, indoors yeah. yeah in person indoors uh, uh live broadcast service on our youtube channel uh and until next week i'm ben and i'm bruce and we'll talk to you then bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.